and welcome to another episode of Crystal Myth Podcast with myself, your host Leslie Anderson, and also we have, yes, introduce yourself, Mark. Yes, Michelle, it's me, it's Mark. Hi. Hi. And this week, for all you Catholics out there, special treat, we're going to be talking about saints. Yay! Yay! Which obviously being brought up a staunch Protestant, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm an atheist, but I was brought up in the staunch Protestant family. I know very little apart from maybe Saint Valentine's and Saint Andrew, who is the Scottish patron saint, and the one you're going to talk about is Saint Mungo, who's the patron saint of Glasgow. What other ones? Saint Catherine. The only, the, I think, the first time I kind of was re- looked into. Martyred saints, I think, was going to orange marches and seeing pretty horrible banners of yeah. Catholics being executed. I mean, not overly surprising. What was it being? <laughs> as we discussed before on the show, a big, big yeah. fuck fest. But mm. I mean, not an actual fuck fest because most of the people at it are hideous and no one wants to see them fuck. But. Oh, I've seen some really hideous pictures of people on orange marches. They're not the most attractive people. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just always think of, like, a giant thumb with arms and legs. That's... He looks like... One of the guys i seen was so fat, he looked really bloated, and he was, like, covered in pimples that were all about to explode. Yeah. Of pus. And, uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Woke up the skin. Uh, I... Yeah. Conversely to you being brought up in a mixed family, but obviously my mum's side of the family being massive and Catholic, like, get yeah, right. the Irish Catholic thing of, like, lost your shoe, <laughs> light a candle to this saint, sneezed, light a candle to this saint, fallen There's down a the patron table. saint like, of cough. Everything. Pretty much. I mean, before we started recording, I was discussing about how many patron saints there actually are, and there's, like, over 10,000, but... The majority of them have been canonised recently by Pope Francis and before, not Benedict, but Pope John Paul II, who went a bit saint crazy. I mean, I feel like canonised like 800 people. Like canonised <laughs> for any stupid old shit. And then it had to be something like really, really good. And now well, they had to perform a miracle, didn't they, Mark? They had to perform a miracle and then they had to perform a second miracle before they would qualify to be a saint but now any cunt can become a saint apparently <laughs> but then when i was reading about the wee boy who passed away wee boy well he has a wee boy he was a the teenager that passed away that was uh, canonized as the patron saint of the internet but what and i can't remember off the top of my head what his apparent medicals were but pope francis did say oh it's because he performed these two medicals and i was like what mm, yeah i think it's hard to in a world where everything's scientific fact basically to prove that miracles exist i think one of the ones that pope francis canonized was for curing someone of cancer or something like that but then the the doctor went no it's because she received chemotherapy it's nothing to do with a miracle so it's hard to it's probably hard to really you know like prove that miracles take place these days especially if you're claiming to cure someone and I also think back in medieval times then yeah it was easier to just claim that sort of thing 
I'm yeah. realising, by the way, in trying to find what the patron saint of the internet is, miracles were that we're both right. So mm. the patron saint of the internet is Saint Isidore of Seville, yeah. who died in 600 AD. Yeah, well, how but, can he be the patron saint of the internet then? Didn't but exist. made patron saint of the internet recently. And then the person I'm talking about is Saint Carlo Acutis, who was a 15-year-old Catholic boy who died of leukemia in 2006. And he was beatified as the patron saint of the end sorry no the patron saint of social media um, <laughs> after he apparently performed two miracles before he died Hold on, what were the miracles that's what i'm trying to find out it's he wasn't he thing. wasn't trolled on twitter the two miracles but are not telling me what they are <laughs> but i'm going to find out but i remember when i was looking through it i think the reason it slipped my mind is because like you say i was like those are miracles they're carlo acticius miracle he managed to not post something hideous on social media. <laughs> That's a miracle. He didn't share a meme. It says that, so he's not from Brazil, but it says that, again, I'm trying to look for more information because it's just saying a medical in Brazil was attributed to him. That's it. Yeah. Very so, vague, very, very vague. I'm just vague. going to randomly read this article I found. Research on the Italian teenager. Mm. Biased Italian. Because of his intense love of the sacrament, he used his computer game skills to document Eucharist miracles throughout the centuries. He spent four years on the project, which was made into an, an exhibit after his death. And has received great praise throughout Europe and the United States. I think it's presenting that as though that is one of his miracles that he like let people view information on other miracles which isn't that's a miracle that's not a miracle that's just an ability to document things to document information on social basically he was just good at using social media which like <laughs> again is cool and he seems like he was probably a very nice boy but i'm trying to find the second miracle here i really don't think they should be adding more saints to the huge roster of saints that they already have. Says he did a rosary every day to the Blessed Virgin. Uh, mm-hmm. He loved Assisi and would often go there in the tradition of St. Francis. He used money to buy sleeping bags, which he distributed to the homeless living in the streets, which again is a really, a nice really thing. lovely thing for uh, especially a wee guy that age to be doing. But again, not to... <laughs> Well, I mean, the ones that I'm going to cover are um, they immediately became saints because the which makes me think that a lot of these people were mental because they actually wanted to die for Jesus so that they would become automatic saint. They would get automatic sainthood. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of saying in this article almost the same thing. Because it's basically saying that his mm-hmm. devotion to like Christ and the Holy Virgin was not obviously was it his yeah, death, but saying he like wasn't right up until he died and he was so dedicated to it. And then, mm, then... what's this other bit? Sleeping bags, Basilica of Assisi. This mm-hmm. me random words is obviously really <laughs> interesting to the listeners. Hi. <laughs> 
he mean, said it was miraculous that he was such a role model for young people today who are the victims of self-absorption, isolation and empty pleasures, but he showed a better way and he used his skills and understanding how to do things online and on social media to communicate the values and beauty of the Gospels. Right, okay. So I guess all these mega church, but well, he's Catholic then, so people outside the Catholic faith don't have that same like virtue, so to speak, because there's loads of mega churches and that that do that kind yeah. of thing. But then they're they're wanting money. They're they're, <laughs> they're getting like money from PayPal or something, <laughs> like donations and things like that. As opposed, yeah, he's he's using social media to spread the word and to. And like in a very positive way, like yeah, he's basically yeah. Saying, you should follow the teachings of Jesus and Mary and like be kind to everyone. But then I'd argue, Mark, that why would he then die at such a young age? That's not very nice of God to take him. I mean, agreed the fact that he was doing like <laughs> and he was doing things like that, if he'd already achieved that much in the field of humanitarianism by the age of fifteen, then yeah, surely mm-hmm. God would want him to be alive so that he could continue yeah. to do things to make people's seems lives bit, better. Seems a bit of a sick joke, really. Yeah, it's almost like he's been punished for being like a brilliant human being. Or some people say that he was too good for this world and God wanted to claim him back for himself. So he could tell himself. all the homeless in heaven. There shouldn't be any homeless in heaven. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> which which leads to another question. I mean, theoretically, if heaven is real, do they actually have homes? Or did he just float about? Like, did he need homes? That's what I'm saying. There's a waiver. Did he need shelter from something in heaven? Like, there's so many questions. <laughs> I've always kind of assumed that if heaven's real and I go there, that I would have some sort of, like, small home. <laughs> I wouldn't want anything flashy, but... But if you get rich people to go to heaven, would they not want to live rich in the life? Heaven, Oh, sorry. <laughs> What would Jacob Reese mod mock? He seems to think he's gonna go. Oh. <laughs> He'll be getting rods rammed up his arse in the fiery's pit of hell. I don't even think Satan would want Jacob Reese mock to be fair. No, would he's you? a fucking kill for that. <laughs> I like that I stopped mid sentence about him <laughs> the Jacob Reese mock to eat a bit of very crunchy popcorn there. Jacob Reese mock is a fucking mm. popcorn. <laughs> I wonder who the patron, the patron, the patron saint of popcorn would be. Ooh. I mean, I've got one that would be close to it, who's kind of the patron saint of barbecues, which makes me laugh. That is great. Mm. And you can make well, popcorn in a barbecue, so technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, are you, do you want to kick it off with, because mines are brutal. Mines are just all saints that became saints based on brutal executions. So because I like gore but um, yeah you want to talk about or should I start with my brutal executions and then you can finish on yeah well we start with the disturbing stuff and I can yeah because it sounds like a jolly family story jolly family story because yours sounds a bit more (laughs) light-hearted I think I don't know whether St Mungo was martyred No? no right well that's cool no he died of old age actually Okay. Which is random for a saint. I feel like they always die of something really, really elaborate and weird, but now he just died from being old. Brilliant. 
If that's Angel um, Mine, <laughs> we can move on. Well, yeah, mines are the top brutally murdered, well, murdered things like that. Uh, brutal martyrdoms and executions of Christian saints. I mean, are there any other kind of saints other than Christian saints? I don't know. I don't but think I, so. I, well, there's, I mean, you might, you must know more than me because you studied this at uni. I don't know whether you did be, like, it. effectively like venerated in Buddhism, but I don't think you get called a saint. No. You, get, you become a bodhisattva. I think in some branches of Buddhism, you become a bodhisattva if you're venerated, but and then Hinduism, you can become venerated and become like an avatar living god. But yeah, I don't right. think you get saints yeah. in other religions. But have you heard of St. Lawrence? Only in that I know that a lot of Catholics are called after St. Lawrence. Oh, <laughs> I don't know who okay. St. Lawrence is or what. Well, I would consider him personally the, the patron saint of barbecues because he was um, executed by being grilled, put on a grill, a hot grill. No. But there's speculation, this is where Crystal Myth, the Crystal Myth comes in, because they're speculating, and I, th- I think a lot of these um, stories, I think, might be exaggerated a little bit. Uh, they say that there's no real evidence to say that he was actually burned on a hot grill. They think he was actually just um, beheaded or something. Oh. Instead, but I mean that's pretty different. I thought you were going to say like burnt at the stake, not like well, in an entirely different fashion. No, well, listen to this, right? So he was one of the seven early Christian deacons of the city of Rome, led by Pope Saint Sixtus II, who were martyred during the persecution of Christians that took place on the orders of Emperor Valerian in 258 AD. So Lawrence was a librarian and an archivist of the early Christian church. And as an archivist, he was in possession of some valuable information, such as names of church members and locations of hidden treasures that the church owned. So he knew where all the the gold was or whatever. I don't know what hidden treasures they are, but... A librarian slash archivist who had hidden treasure. Yeah, it sounds a bit like Indiana Jones, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the, um, the legend says the Emperor Valerian captured him and gave him just two days to reveal where all his sh- like gold and shit were um, that were owned by the church because he wanted that sweet gold. After two days, Lawrence, in a sort of trolling way, gathered all the poor, the disabled and the sick, and the orphaned Christians. He put them in front of the palace doors and said, these are the treasures of the church. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously pissed off Valerian, so he decided, fuck you, Lawrence, I'm going to punish you in the most gruesome way for being so cheeky. So according to Roman tradition, those who were impudent, or cheeky as I would like to say it, put it, were punished for being slowly roasted on a grill, like your barbecue. Lawrence was was like my barbecue (laughs) that I cook people on. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) my big green egg that I like to shove people in. Lawrence was... Lawrence was brought to the site on which the Basilica de San Lorenzo in Rome stands today. What is that, Mark? I'm I'm being ignorant. What's the Basilica de San Lorenzo? Is that where the Pope lives? Um, no, it's there's like loads of basilicas. In What's the basilica? Rome. Then? A basilica is a chapel 
with a domed roof for better sound that has a saint or the relics of a saint buried on the grounds. Oh, okay then. Well, he he was brought there. That obviously the basilica wasn't there at the time. And he was tied to a burning hot grill. The Romans had hoped that Lawrence would, under torture, obviously, publicly reveal the names of the wealthy Christians in Rome. But rich people can't get into heaven, so... No, so there weren't any. They wouldn't have let them join them. But according to stories, Lawrence endured the pain of being roasted alive. And again, being the cheeky little bit um, bugger that he is, he said to his torturers, turn me over... I am done on this side. <laughs> I love this fierce, clearly homosexual bitch. He's a great scene. <laughs> Turn me over. I'm done on this. <laughs> <laughs> However, unfortunately, a historical evidence suggests that the bold Lawrence wasn't actually roasted alive and was, in fact, beheaded. But nah, in space of historical the- evidence, I know. Preferred legend, it's much funnier. The legend is still the accepted story. St Lawrence is often depicted um, as a statue or in paintings with a gridiron in his hand um, as a symbol of the brutal way he was executed. And he is also regarded as the patron saint of cooks, which is quite funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. He's a very saint of cooks because he himself was cooked. Yeah, I find it really fucked up that all these saints that were brutally executed became the patron saint of like the way they were executed. Like, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to be reminded of that constantly. But then they did it to Jesus, didn't you? Because they all wear little crosses around True. their necks. It's like what Bill Hicks said: if um, if Jesus was killed by an electric chair, would everyone be little wearing little tiny electric chairs around their necks? You know? Would they do that? That's like. <laughs> um, a, is it a Jutor? I don't know why I'm saying this. Is so you, you memorise all the saints? Have you heard of Saint Jutor? No, because there's ten thousand of the cunts. Yeah, so I know again. I'm like saying that. I'm thinking, why would you have heard of it? But they're the saint that was captured during the Crusades, but they managed mm-hmm. to escape into the sea. But basically, they couldn't come ashore anywhere, so they just kept. I don't know why I'm saying they. They're not like a gender queer person. I think doesn't it's matter. He <laughs> just kept swimming and swimming. Mm. Oh yeah, actually, they're the patron saint of swimmers. Yeah, I did about that. So basically, it was like some sort of weird form of torture that like they kept swimming and swimming, trying to get back home to. I think, I think they were escaping from guards or someone escaping from arrest, so they would swim from one country to another. And apparently yeah, and Mary Magdalene dragged them back to France or something. Why would she do that? I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> so he's Mary Magdalene behaviour. She's a but yeah, as you it's almost like he's mocking them. Like, you were barbecued. You can be the patron saint mm. of cooks. You, yeah. The only way for you to escape being horribly tortured was to keep swimming in terrible pain. So you're the patron saint of swimmers. Well, I'm going swimming tomorrow, so I'll maybe light a candle. And, light a candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's St. Bartholomew, who the first and first time I seen this guy was in Milan, not in person because he's long dead, but it was it's a statue. It was fucked up. It was really, it was really, really weird. So I went into the the magnificent church uh, cathedral in Milan, the Milan Square, um, and I don't know if it's called Milan Square. It's just a massive square where the cathedral is. I know what you mean. Yeah, I went in there and I was looking about 
and there was this fucking weird statue and you know that video with Robbie Williams where he rips off all his skin and he's just like meat yep it was pretty much like a big marble statue of, of that but it wasn't Robbie Williams <laughs> it was Saint Bartholomew <laughs> and he had was that it wasn't Robbie something off about this guy and you realise that he's not got any skin and his skin is wrapped around I mean it's awesome like how they chiseled this out of marble because it looks like he's actually got draped skin his whole say like you know like buffalo bill with his skin dresses <laughs> sort of like that but he, he was holding his skin draped over his arm and it it was all like drooping out like dripping down onto his draping down onto his feet and stuff i'm like i, I stared him i stared at it for ages thinking what the hell that's really fucking brutal and metal um and it turns out it was saint i didn't know it was saint bartholomew at the time i just seen this flay man with your skin i really recommend you go and look at it because it's it's totally fucked up or you can google the i don't know the image of it so he was often identified as the apostle is that apostle am i saying that right court cases am i reading that right did i read that right correct um nathaniel (laughs) uh, (laughs) that's just uh amber heard's counsel he always reads out all these texts from johnny depp and he reads it out and he goes did i read that right so saint bartholomew was one of the 12 apostles that followed jesus he's mentioned in the gospel of john as being introduced to jesus by philip the apostle so after Christ had been resurrected, Bartholomew went to preach in India and Armenia. I mean, that's quite a journey, I suppose. According to the legend, Bartholomew he managed to convert Polymaius, the king of Armenia, to Christianity. As punishment for this, his Polymaius's brother, uh, Astyages, ordered Bartholomew's execution. It said he was first skinned, what was that? He was first skinned alive and then crucified upside down and left to die in excruciating pain. In the last judgment, Michelangelo drew him holding his own skin in his hand. So that's the way he's traditionally depicted. Like the statue I saw in that Milan Cathedral. I think, did Michael, no, no, I don't know if Michelangelo was based in Milan or was I think he might have been based in Florence so so because of the way he was executed Saint Bartholomew again we're talking about like trolling these people about the way they died he became the patron saint of tanners bookbinders (laughs) butchers and shoemakers and he's also the patron saint of Armenia I mean being patron saint of Armenia I can understand because he converted people to Christianity there but also he's the patron saint of skinning people Skinning things, tanning them. It's mad. I don't even um, know what my thought was there. Just like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not like he was good at skinning people, or sorry, it's not like he was no. good at taxidermy. He was skinned. No, <laughs> he was actually skinned. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that was like, you know, do you think of the novel Scrooge with him, um, which I often do every day, uh, by Charles Dickens, <laughs> where his business partner Jacob Marley was punished by having to carry loads of chains around with locks was that not a part that was because what was that about he had to carry the burden of his sins or something 
Yeah. Is that what it was about or something? That seems to me like the same as St. Bartholomew. He's always carrying his own skin, like fucking Buffalo Bill. Yeah, that is horrific. Or Leverface. Again, you think God would give him his skin back rather than... Here, you carry this a bit. (laughs) It wasn't the way he has been given his skin back, but not in the way you would like. No. So there's um, St. Symphorosa and her seven sons. That sounds like, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, but it's actually more fucking horrible. She was thrown into the river and then her seven children were killed. Um, This is right. So, again, it's not one of these stories that have been like confirmed as authentic. It could just be because like, these are these are so old. Like, there's no real record of this. These things happening. It's just things that people have like maybe like the Bible. It's changed over time or exaggerated and yeah, you know. So she was who was she? So Symphorosa was the widow of a tribune, um, Getulius, and most of these people are like in, from Roman times. He was martyred by Hadrian of Hadrian's Wall fame. I always imagine Hadrian wearing a wee mini skirt and prancing about, you know. He's quite like that. Um, she and her seven sons were living in Tiber, where Emperor Hadrian built his new palace. So according to the stories, the gods sent Hadrian a message in which they told him that bitch and her sons torment us daily by invoking their gods. If she and her children offer sacrifice to us, we will give you all that you ask for. So Hadrian's like, well, I better, I better check it out. So yeah, he approached, um, well, yeah, Symphorosa, asking her and her sons, well, here, can you offer a sacrifice to the Roman gods so that I can get what I want? Whatever that was. His big fucking wall. He couldn't, he couldn't conquer the Scots. He couldn't conquer us. <laughs> he had to build a wall to keep us it. <laughs> anyway, technically Hadrian's wall is, is in England, so yeah. I always hate that when, you know, like we're talking about Scottish independence and these fuckers say, well, oh, let's just rebuild Hadrian's Wall and all that. And it's like, well, fine, I'll just take most of England, north of England. (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) I'm sure most of the north of England would probably be fine with that as well. I think, yeah, I think at one point Newcastle proposed to join Scotland um, to get away from the Tories. But hey, I'd welcome them. I quite like Geordie's Wall. Some of them I don't, but. You know, can't win them all. I will give anyone who's not a Tory a chance. Yeah, I mean, the more the merrier. Come on up. Um, as long as you never vote Tory once we accept you. Because if you do, you're getting kicked back out. Mm-hmm. So what we'll did he do? Enough. What did she do? What do you think she did? Did she offer a sacrifice like Adrian asked? Nah, oh. she doesn't sound like she'd take no. that shit from some random man in a hat and a dress. Yeah, she, <laughs> she did refuse. So the emperor brought her to the temple of Hercules, where he then tortured her. Doesn't say how. Then he fastened a heavy stone around her neck and flung her into the river Anio, where she drowned. This, and also the execution of her husband, was not the only gruesome thing that Hadrian did to the family, because the following day he arrested all of their seven sons, tied them to stakes around the temple and executed them one by one. And each child was executed in a different way. Now, see who you think gets it the worst. I know who I think probably got it worse, but I don't know. This is really making me think of that episode of uh, Hollyoaks, where where that guy took all of them Queen's hostage in the church. 
Really? I've never yeah. watched Hollyoaks. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it's still great now, but it was great when, I mean, it's shite, but, but like the good yeah, shite. Really. Okay, tell me what you did to your children. I'm going to imagine okay. he's a character from Hollyoaks. Right, so Crescens, imagine what he looks like, was pierced through the throat. Julian okay. was pierced through the breast. Nem- Nemesius was pierced through the heart. Primitivus was wounded at the navel. Justinus was pierced through his back. Stratius was pierced through the side. And Eugenius, Eugenius, I'd like to think he's like the main <laughs> nerd of the group. Eugene <laughs> was split in two from top to bottom. Oh, now, split in two thing. from yeah, that's. I think he got it the worst because it depends from what side. I feel like maybe started. Tommy Stab got it the worst because, and then Eugenius, because I feel like Tommy Stab's going to bleed out really slowly. Like the rest of them are kind of like, yeah, that would be quite bad. bloody death, quite bloody death, quite bloody death, stabbed in the tummy, torn in half. Like, did they cut him from the gooch to the head, or from the head to the gooch? So yeah, I would probably think balls to brains or brains to balls. I I would rather have brains to balls, quite frankly, than balls to brains. I would, would definitely rather have brains to balls. <laughs> I've always said that. This one's pretty fucked up. So for the Irish out there, they might know of this one. Um, I'm not saying that all Irish people want to fuck their daughters, but this guy sure did. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're saying um, saying Dymphna, I think that's how you say it, Dymphna. She was beheaded by her own father. Why did he do this? Well, I shall tell you. According to Christian tradition, she lived sometime in the 7th century. Her father, Damon, was a lesser king in Ireland. A lesser king, what does that mean? Just not as respected or just like a, a shite king that had a little kingdom or a little tiny land? I think it means you've got a small kingdom. Right. And her mother was a devoted Christian. Dymphna's mother died when she was 14. Her father, and this is like the, this is like that movie Vertical, where James Stewart like falls in love with this mysterious blonde woman and she dies and then he finds some other woman and basically forces her to look exactly like dye her hair and dress like the woman. So, but in this case, it's a father and daughter. <laughs> so he was like looking for a new wife, but the, but he wanted to find a woman that looked exactly like his previous wife. Unfortunately, the closest woman to what he sought was his own daughter, which I suppose, yeah. After hearing about her father's intentions, as you would, Dymphna managed to escape to Belgium. Um, but her father found out where she was hiding eventually and of course she would refuse to go back because why would you want to marry your dad yeah i mean (laughs) it's more than fair that she refused to go back (laughs) so damon then took his sword and cut her head off for that insolence Uh, she was only 15 when she was killed by her father's hand excuse me so saint dymphna then became the patron saint of what do you think oh Hat makers. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit off. I mean, Weddings. One? Weddings? No. <laughs> Brides. No, that's too nice. Incest victims, of course. Oh my god. Ment- the mentally ill. I guess maybe they're arguing that the dad was mentally ill. Mm. And also runaways. Because she ran away. 
from she her dad. Away. Uh, well, he, I don't know if this is that brutal. St. Clement, he was tied to an anchor and thrown in at the sea. <laughs> but at least he has a nice cake named after him, so that's a win. Yeah, St. Clement's, that's from the uh, the nursery rhyme, what's it called? Oranges, Oranges and, and lemons. lemons. The bells yeah. of St. Clement's, yeah. But little did he know that St. Clement's was, um, yeah. He performed miracles apparently, so that qualifies. I don't it doesn't say what miracles, but he was able to convert several thousand people to the Christian faith. But there's a guy called Emperor Trajan, who I guess he was an emperor of Rome, and he exiled him because he didn't like people going around converting people to Christianity. So he um shoved him over to the Crimea and he performed miracles there. So Trajan's like, oh, for fuck's sake, this guy just doesn't stop. He then sentenced him to death by tying him an anchor and drowning him in the sea. I think he got off lately to compare to other people on this yeah. list. Like St. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch, who was eaten by lions at the Colosseum. That's pretty yeah. shite way to go. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be eaten by lions. I mean, also, to be fair, wouldn't want to be tied to an anchor and thrown in the sea, but I'd definitely prefer that to being eaten by lions. But maybe you've got more of a chance of someone like Aquaman saving you or a whale. No, I mean in the Bible, Jonah was swallowed by Jonah was swallowed by a whale, wasn't he? Was he that a bad sure. thing? Was he protected by the whale? What what was with that? Why was he in a whale? What I was the like, whale's beef? <laughs> I can't really remember the proper story. My summary of it is going to be, if I remember correctly, like Jonah's a bit of a dick, right? Uh huh. And then he's swallowed by a whale, and then he doesn't die, and then he's not a dick anymore. Because he did die in the whale. Did the whale teach him how to be a good man? And then yeah, the whale was really, really sad. <laughs> the whale had a word <laughs> made him better. Well, Ignatius of Antioch was a disciple of John the Apostle. Um, I guess one of the 12 apostles. Uh, in his later years, he became the Bishop of Antioch. Wasn't there the holy hand grenade of Antioch and Monty Python. I don't know if you've seen the Monty Python films. I'm sure it was a holy hand grenade of Antioch. I like the name Antioch. I want to. I just. I like. I like the place name. Sounds cool. Ignatius lived during the reign of Emperor Trajan. Trajan declared a law that said Christians should be executed if somebody formally does a Brian Lamont on them, as in grass them up. Grass. <laughs> yes. But that they were not to be hunted down and punished for no reason. St. Ignatius probably got on the list for execution because of his public preaching. I mean, fair enough, because sometimes when I go into Glasgow and there's all these annoying public preachers, I kind of want to throw them to bloody lions because they're just so annoying. Ignatius mentions his arrests and the way he was treated in one passage from his writings. He said, from Syria even to Rome, I fight with wild beasts by land and sea, by night and by day. <laughs> what? <laughs> Being bound amidst ten leopards and even a company of soldiers who only grow worse when they are kindly treated. Now, when I read that, I thought, when he's talking about ten leopards, is he being metaphorical? Is he referring to people as like being like leopards? Or were they actually ten leopards? Because that's pretty rad. I'm going to guess there was actually ten leopards. <laughs> Not because you think it would be rad, just because, I don't know, it just seems like, yeah. why not? 
So then Emperor Trajan, yeah, he ordered that Lyons should eat him at the Colosseum. So on the last day of the Gladiator Games, they threw him into the arena where two hungry lions devoured him in a minute. I suppose it was quick. Yeah. I mean, maybe a minute to him might have been a long time getting eaten by lions. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Depends, <laughs> depends where they go. But lions tend to go for the throat first, so it might have been quick. Yeah. What about mm. this one then? St. Focus of Sinope, he was thrown into a kiln and then boiled alive. I mean, it's quite imaginative oh. these ways of killing these people. He was, well, nobody knows much about this guy, um, except he was from the city of Sinope. Or Sinope. In his later years, he became the bishop of the city. And like St. Ignatius, he was spreading Christianity during the reign of Trajan. Mm. Trajan started his persecutions. He was arrested and executed. So what they did was they first threw him into a burning lime kiln, a kiln used for quicklime production, where temperatures reach more than 1,652 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, come on. But miraculously, apparently survived the searing heat. What the fuck? His executioners then thought, well, that's not working, so we'll throw him in some boiling water, which I'd imagine would be a lot lower a temperature. Yeah, you and would then assume. he succumbed and died. <laughs> Maybe he just really didn't like being damp. Yeah. Like he was heat proof, but not a fan of dampness. <laughs> so he is now the, um, the patron saint against fires which I suppose makes sense and he's also a helper of people that are drowning so he could work with the other guy the, the swimmer one I suppose yeah. team up with him help each other out a wee bit Simon the Zealot <laughs> that's a pretty cool name he was crucified upside down and sawn in half and he's often depicted in churches and statues as a man holding a massive saw <laughs> again it's pretty fucked up that you're made to go around holding the item that was supposedly executed you with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... But again, there's speculation that that didn't actually happen. The, um, he was Simon. You've heard of Simon, haven't you, in the Bible? Simon. The Canaanian. He was the guy that Jesus and followers came to, to his wedding, where he turned water into wine. Oh, yeah. Um, the act, the act. I think this is a bit shitty of him. The, so when Jesus did that, that convinced Simon to abandon his whole family and his house and join Jesus. So he got married. Clearly, Jesus did crush on Jesus. <laughs> Probably, but maybe he was just like this. This guy can make wine or at will. So <laughs> maybe somebody was an alcoholic. He was total alcoholic. So there are several different accounts of his death, according to one of the stories, Simon the Zealot. What does Zealot mean? Does that mean he's really devoted to Jesus or something? It sounds sinister, but I think... Turn your back on your faith? I don't know. I thought Zealot meant that you were like a stan, you know? Maybe it is. Super fan. Is it like an old Um, orthodox? I'm going to find out, well, you... Like if you're obsessed with something, you're a Zealot of that? Yeah, you're right. It's if you are fanatical about your belief you're a zealot so he was like your equivalent of like someone who like say worship harry styles and leaves your entire family to go and follow him around the world or something like that i don't know 
<laughs> Although this method of execution, so the really like example you picked there. I don't know it's just because there's a girl I know and she's totally obsessed with him and she's got tattoos of him and all she does is post things about Harry Styles like he is a fucking saint or something and it does my nothing um, according to one of the stories Simon the Zealot he went to spread Christianity in Persis where he was captured crucified upside down and then slowly cut in half with a saw again we don't know whether it was brains to balls or balls to brains Although this method of execution is mentioned in many cases from ancient times, it hasn't been proved whether it was really used on anybody. But it does sound like a terrible thing to do. I mean, it doesn't sound fun. And it I'm sure, seem... considering the weird punishments they came up with, it's not unthinkable that they would cut someone in half. I remember when I was young, right? A Channel 4 used to play some really weird shit. And this was during the day, right? Um, Channel 4 for anyone outside the UK is just like a like before we had Sky TV and that it was just like another commercial TV channel What we only had four channels to choose from until Channel 5 came around and what well, it went the 90s or something so on Channel 4 I remember turning on the TV watching it. Was, they would play these Hindu dramas like and, it was, and there was a scene where this guy got pulled in half literally they grabbed his legs and ripped him from balls to brain that way in two pieces and then all of a sudden he just sort of came back together (laughs) and then they did it again and i was like what the fuck am i watching i was like traumatized i was like eight years old or something this is on daytime tv i just remember the sound of him going being ripped apart and I was like, and this is obviously, it was based on, I think later on, I found out it was based on some sort of Hindu religious texts. <laughs> I can't think of the one where they rip a man in half, stick him back together and then rip him in half again, but I believe you. It was really disturbing. So, I mean, yeah, it seems like it's a popular method of, um, or imagined method of execution, not just in Christian culture, but in Hindu culture as well, according to that show. It was a, a global, like, phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement of ripping someone in half. I've got one here of a see all the ones I've mentioned so far were in Roman times. But this guy uh, is from the 17th century and he's a more recent saint. So he was called Saint John de Brebeuf. I think Booth means beef, but I don't know what Bre means. It's one of the more recent additions to the list of Christian saints. He was martyred on March 16, 1649 and beatified in 1925. He was a French Jesuit missionary. It doesn't go well for missionaries. Come on. Look what happened to the that that guy that tried to invade those people. What were they called? The Senegal people? No, not Senegal people. Sentinelese people. And he got speared for it to right. try and... Well, like, okay, well, this guy went to... Uh, he was sent to New France, which was a French colony that later became part of Canada, you know, French Can- Canada. Yes. So during his mission to spread Christi- Christianity among the ma- native population, which I don't imagine would go down too well, he was captured by the Iroquois. He was then scalped, but the, after scalping him, they began to slowly cut pieces from his body and eat his flesh in front of his own eyes. After they'd finished eating him, they poured boiling water over him and finished him off with red hot hatches. 
Really thought you were going to say finish them off with red wine. <laughs> that would have been more appropriate, I suppose. Pour boiling boiling water all over him, then cover him in a nice glaze, and then add him with a glass <laughs> of red wine. I mean, you would have thought that boiling him first would have made the meat more tender, rather than cutting pieces off before yeah. you boil. But I mean, maybe they should ask, what's his name, Saint Lawrence, for because <laughs> he's the saint, patron saint of cooking. About that, um, so. He is the patron saint of Canada as a result of that. Well, since since 1940, I guess he's not really the patron saint of cannibalism then. <laughs> which I mean, the, well, they should. Well, I'd imagine there would be one if they've got a patron saint of murderers. Then why not cannibals? God. I mean, then there was a guy. Yeah. Was torn apart by wild horses. Um. Uh, I don't know what he's a patron of. Oh no, he's a, he's a pa- protector of horses. Even though they ripped him apart, he protects them. Okay. <laughs> Saint Andrew Bobola. This guy was really fucked up. So Saint Andrew Bobola, he's another late addition to the list of saints. He was a Polish missionary. He was sent on numerous missions across Lithuania. And his work name, his work there, earned earned him the nickname Apostle of Lithuania. It's not a great nickname. I mean, I've heard better. I mean, Bobola is quite a fun name. I mean, yeah, it's not even he, really a nickname, is it? It's, I mean, I get that it's not his actual name. But it's just like a statement of what he is. He's this is what he does, and this is where he's from. I would have called him Bobo personally, but that was a much better nickname. He became yeah, he became a martyr after he was captured and executed during the Cossack-Polish War in, in 1657. He was captured in the village of Janau, present-day Ivanava in Belarus, by the Cossack troops. St Andrew suffered a lot during his days in captivity. So, what did they do to him? Well, first of all, he was tied to a tree and scourged. Do you know what scourging is? If you see no, it's scourging. Last Mel Gibson, because he seems to fucking love it. Um, in the Passion of the Christ, he Jesus got quite a long scourging to the point it was very fetish. Like, like, <laughs> just people thought it was like, what is it called, horror porn or something. So, um, scourging is a technique that involves whipping a person with a whip that has bones or metal pieces attached to its end, which leave deep wounds on the body. So you're scourging out the flesh of your back. After so later, the Passion of the Christ, that was the first image that popped into my head. Yeah, so. yeah. and then they also, Allah Christ, put a, a foreign crown on his head. They took out one of his eyes and then they slowly burned his body with torches. But he still wasn't dead after that. One of the torch- torturers cut a piece of his skin in the shape of a chasuble vest, which is a vest worn by priests, and then peeled it from his body. Ooh. They continued by sticking needles beneath his fingernails. And according to the story, while his torturers tormented him, Bobo didn't stop praying for their souls. Tired of his constant prayers, they then cut out his tongue to shut the guy up. And then finally they executed him by crushing his skull. I mean, I feel like that was all quite unnecessary. Not just me, but... But it doesn't say what he's a patron of, which is annoying. No idea. Patron saint of chatty Cathy's. Yeah, 
and then there's St Catherine which is probably one of the most well-known ones who they tried to break her on a wheel but the wheel broke itself so they were like oh shit well we'll just cut her head off then <laughs> she's the saint of quite a lot of things um and then there's St Agnes of Rome which I found interesting she was sent to her brothel condemned to be burned and then stabbed with a sword She's also known as St Innes. She was a Roman noble girl born around 291 AD during the rule of Emperor Diocletian. Agnes was born and raised in a wealthy Christian family. She was also very beautiful. She already had powerful and influential suitors in Rome at 12 years old. But as a devoted Christian and she wants to be pure and keep her virginity, she turned them all down. Oh, so she was 12. So Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> 12 was marriageable age in Rome back in those days. If there's grass on the field, they play ball. So, <laughs> fucking. So, according to the story, she was reported to the authorities as a follower of the Christian faith by one of her insulted suitors. So, one of the, her rejects became quite salty about that and again did a Brian Lamb on and grafted her up. Yeah, some like 50 year old man going to the police. Yeah. A 12 year old won't marry me. And she is evil. Hero bastard. So, Phocas, the son of a Roman prefect called Sempronius, he told his father about her faith. Sempronius questioned her and she publicly admitted that she was following Christianity. And after she refused to offer sacrifice to the temple of the goddess Vesta, she was arrested, stripped naked and dragged to a brothel. Legend says that while she was dragged naked through the streets, her hair miraculously grew and covered her body. You know, like one of those dolls that you used to be able to press. Yeah. I don't know if you ever played with them. Like their hair would grow. Or it was just a mechanism. Or like one of those um, <laughs> Play-Doh dolls. Ear pets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So she miraculously grew loads of hair and became like cousin it. So then she... The, the miracles kept happening because I don't really know how this works but at the brothel her faith protected her and she managed to stay a virgin so does this mean that all these guys that tried to penetrate her just couldn't get there after he I'd like to think this, that it was just like Jesus was in her room and every time a guy came in he was like no fuck off you pedo and slapped him <laughs> okay yeah after hearing about this the authorities condemned her as a witch and decided to burn her at the stake. However, when they tried to light the bundles of wood, they wouldn't burn. God, she just can't die. Then one of the soldiers drew his sword and stabbed her in the throat. St Agnes then became the patron saint of chastity, girls, engaged couples, rape survivors, and virgins. Engaged couples, I don't really get. I'm, I'm glad you, that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> where did that come from? Maybe again, she didn't want to get engaged to that pedo, so now yeah. she's the patron saint of people who do want to get engaged. Yeah, exactly. There's um, how many more of these have I got? Oh, there's two more. So there's another girl, which this is even again, this is a really young girl. She's only thirteen, and because she was thirteen, she had to be tortured in thirteen different ways. And her name is Saint Eulalia. Uh, she, her martyrdom was often mixed up with another saint um, but sometimes they were considered to be the same person, they just happened to have the same name she was a 13 year old girl, girl from Barcelona 
who lived during the reign of Diocletian. She was captured during the prosecution of Christians ordered by the emperor. She refused to deny her faith, so she was then given a punishment to be tortured in 13 different ways, one for every year of her life. That seems... It's not like when you're at school and you got a sweetie for every day of your life. <laughs> I don't know if you ever did that in primary school. You used to go to the headmistress's office and they would do the, the, the bumps. So they would... That is kind of weird. I don't think they can still do that now, where they would lift you and bump you up and down on the ground like five <laughs> or six times and then give you six dolly sweets. That never happened to your school, no? That did not happen at my school, no. <laughs> <laughs> None of that happened at my school. Wow, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. How about just a tradition? No. No. <laughs> Part of her torture included her being stuffed into a barrel full of sharp glass pieces and then being rolled down a street. Sounds like something out of Jackass. It does, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, that street still exists in Barcelona today and it's called St. Eulalia's Descent, where people can maybe, you know, like copy what happened. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> they also cut off her breasts and crucified her on an X-shaped cross at the end of her torture, she was beheaded. Now, this poor girl um, is always depicted holding either a plate of her severed breasts or the cross that she was crucified on. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck, indeed. <laughs> the last one I've got here is a guy who was called Victor Maris, and he was ground to death in a stone mill, which I thought was quite imaginative. Was yeah, that's different? definitely not one that... <laughs> occur to me if I was doing a murder. I mean, I wouldn't want to... I hope they clean. I hope they cleaned it afterwards because I wouldn't want ground-up saint in my bread, you know? <laughs> There's a little information about Victor's life. Nobody really knows what he was like, again, because there's very little records. He was born in the 3rd century in Mauritania. He was raised as a Christian. According to some records, he was a Roman Praetorian guard. The legend says that when he arrived in Milan, Italy, around 303 AD, he secretly started to spread Christianity among the population. Eventually, he was discovered, arrested and dragged through the streets. He was repeatedly beaten and stretched on the rack. During this time, he even managed to convert three of his guards while he was being tortured on the rack. Smooth talker. Soon, the word about his unwavering faith reached Emperor Maximilian. He immediately beheaded the converted soldiers, then tortured Victor on the rack again. Saint Victor Morris was then offered the chance to sacrifice incense on the altar of Jupiter, but he declined and knocked it back and the altar. As a punishment for that, Maximilian ordered his men to cut off the foot that destroyed the altar and after being unable to defeat Victor's faith, his captors threw him into a stone mill where he was crushed to death. Again, it doesn't say whether he's a patron saint of flower. <laughs> <laughs> or, or ankle bracelets. Or odd shoes. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> hey, well, there you go. There's some brutal... There's, there's shitloads more of them, but, you know, there's so many. Like, there's Saint Sebastian, who was tied to a tree and arrows were were um, fired into him and he's a bit of a gay icon as well Saint Sebastian because he's always depicted as a really sexy youth with like cracking abs yeah. like really hot Go anyway yeah um well yeah let's move on to Saint is that your cat 
as I was going to say, as is tradition, the minute before you say, well, let's move on. If I go second, the cat has run into the room, jumped onto my knee and between me and my laptop and started purring really loudly. I heard that. This is not cat or wallin, to be fair. He's so cute. I love your cat. Well, let's hear about St Mungo then. I'm sure it's a jolly happy story, unlike those mm-hmm. other masters that I don't I mean, it's got its highs and its lows, so it does. Okay. So, yeah, St Mungo. I thought I'd do him. Well, no, that's a lie. I was just about mm-hmm. to lie, Lizzie, and I'm so sorry. The reason that I decided I was going to do St yeah, Mungo is because there's this really beautiful... So, you know, like the murals they do on the side of buildings in Glasgow? Yeah, I've seen that modern one with the guy with the hoodie on and he's got like a bird. Is that St Mungo? It is. The one that I saw, I'm just going to send it to you, and I didn't know who it was. Mm -hmm. So there it is. It's basically like a sort of, um, like, I'd say really pretty, maybe like early 40s kind of gothy chick who has fish. I've not seen that before. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah see, she's like the Scottish Widows women. Yeah, she is about like the Scottish Widows women. So I didn't know who she was and I thought she was really, really cool. And then I looked it up and it turned out she was St. Mungo's mum. Cool. And then that made me think, it doesn't really occur to you that like saints have parents for some no, reason. No, obviously they would, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is how, you know, people being born works. But it never occurred to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she's St. Mungo's mum. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what like the chat with St. Mungo's family is. So I decided to look it up. Um, so St Mungo, whose name before he became St Mungo was Kentigern. Mungo was his nickname. So he's, his name's Kentigern Mungo Mab Urien. Oh, Which okay. is quite a mouthful. So he was a missionary in Strathclyde in the late 6th century. And he is thought to be or said to be by Catholics, the founder of the city of Glasgow. Well, cool. Cool indeed. As I said, oh, I'll just say um, the the um, patron saint of Edinburgh, our rival city, is called St Giles, and bizarrely, he's the patron saint of breastfeeding. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also. Oh, do you know why? Because he lived as a hermit in the south of France in the later latter seventh century, and he nourished himself only with the milk of a female deer. That's why. He's the patron saint of breastfeeding. No, that's fucking weird. No, I don't know. Bestiality, yeah. more like. Fucking people who live in Edinburgh. Saint <laughs> Mungo is the patron saint of Glasgow because he founded it. Salmon, which we'll come back to. Those okay. accused of infidelity, which we'll come back to. And bullies, which we'll come back to. <laughs> so we'll come back to all of them. So. Images of St. Mungo that people might have seen. You were talking about the sort of modern adaptation of, or the modern reimagining of it, not adaptation of it. We're not making a show about him. Traditionally, he's depicted in bishop garb and he's got a robin on his shoulder. He holds a bell Mm. and then a fish in his other hand and the fish has a ring in its mouth, which is the, mind that advert that used to be on about that like make Glasgow flourish advert, which I assume is Scottish TV. And it was that sort of jakey sounding guy singing and he'd go, and the birds and the bell and the fish and the... I feel like he said and the bear, but that can't be right because that's not in the story. I think I wiped it from my brain because I honestly can't remember that. It was... Oh, 
I'm just going to say it was the bear. He would just, like, at the end of the advert, it would just this guy would go, and the bird, and the fish, <laughs> and the bell, and the bear, let Glasgow flourish. I remember yeah. that bit. <laughs> so the reason that the man in that advert it was, it was listed off those random things is because of St. Mungo. If I remember, it was the bell that never rang, the bird that never sang, Sam. the tree that never grew and the fish that never swam yes right even though when i looked it up none of the things in the little rhyme about him not relate to the miracle but they're just not they're not accurate like his miracle in fact well i tell you his miracles and then i'll go back into family history so it was a part of miracles that made him get to become a saint where that he so the bird that never sang was that a bunch of bullies that you went to school with beat a robin to death oh that's fucking shit <laughs> isn't it funny but it's just weird because of that like, no, like a robin's a robin tiny beat a robin to death you, you, bit a, you could you kill a robin, a robin in death. one punch yes <laughs> and obviously that meant that it then couldn't sing because oh. it was dead and sorry, because it was dead <laughs> And then the other kids were all too frightened to go over and check on the robin in case they got the wrath of the bullies. But St. Mungo went over and when he touched the robin, it came back to life. Yay. So it's the bird that never sang. And then there was was the bell that never rang, Mm -hmm. which is just that. Literally, this is the medical. Tried to look it up in more detail and was like, there must be more to it than that. But just this is the medical. Mm -hmm. He, when he went on a visit to Rome, when he returned to Glasgow, he brought back a mourning bell, like that you use, that you rang in a chapel when somebody's died. Oh, okay, not like the yeah. one that you would ring, bring out your dead type thing. That's no, what you meant. Kind of the same idea, I suppose, but oh, yeah. similar. Um, yeah, that was it. That was the medical, just like you went on holiday and brought something back. And also confusingly, because it's like the bell that never rang, but it did ring. It, he brought it back for them to ring it in the chapel. It rang often. Right, okay, well, it doesn't make any sense then, but I guess we need to make it rhyme. The tree that never grew Uh is that there was people gathered around a fire trying to keep warm. St Mungo was there with the group of people and they were trying to restart the fire and they said, we can't restart it, the ember's gone out and St Mungo came over with a branch of a birch tree and basically gave it a wee jig and a poke and then it re-lit. Again, that's one of his four miracles. So he's a fire starter, he can ring bells, and he can bring birds back to life. Yep. Some sort of necromancer. Okay. But again, that's like the tree that never grew. I'm like, no, well, the tree did grow, the birch tree grew, and then a branch fell off of it, and then he used it to restart a fire. Like, the tree grew. Grew, yeah. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the fish never swam, which I suppose when the fish gets caught in the story, it then doesn't swim again because it's been caught. But, you know, it was swimming before that. And his mum's surrounded by fish. And that's not a term for lesbians. Um, I'm just saying that his, his mum's and that mural, there's loads of fish around her. So she's yes, got anything to do with it? It was part of what I thought was really interesting. No, so she's okay. not anything to do with the fish that never swam. But there mm-hmm. is fish in her story as well. Right. So the fish that never swam is that, so there's um, this queen who was called Queen Lagoreths which was when Scotland was divided into lots of little kingdoms. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is where the patron saint of salmon and those wrongfully accused of infidelity comes from. So Queen Lagareth's husband, the king, wanted to divorce her. He obviously already ruled the kingdom because he'd married the queen, as was the way in the sexist old days. So yeah. he wanted to, he basically wanted rid of her so that he could be the just the king himself and could take yeah. a new queen. So he wanted to have her executed. So in order to do that, he said that she'd been cheating on him and he proved that she'd been cheating on him by saying, look, her wedding ring's gone, which it was. And he said, well, she'd only take it off if she was having sex with men that didn't know she was married. And St. Mungo said, no, that's not true. And he cast his fishing rod into the water and fished out a salmon. And the salmon had her wedding ring in its mouth. I mean, to be fair, this is a more impressive miracle. That and is pretty Mungo cool. Mungo said, no, it was King Lagoreth. He took her ring off while she was sleeping and threw it into the river. Oh, what a grass. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that story then, that's a happy ending. But I'm like, that's not a happy ending because then they were still married. So I'm like, well, she's still married to some fucking psycho that's taking her stuff off when she's sleeping and throwing it in the river. And I'll yeah. try to get killed. Yeah, and she'd be yeah. constantly paranoid, wondering what, what he's going to do next to try and kill her off. Those are his miracles. I would argue that a maximum of two of them are miraculous, probably just one. The robin and the lucky catch of the salmon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the robin, like the bully that punched it, could just have stunned it and then he went over to check it was okay and it flew. Actually, like, yeah, that could have been true. Yeah. <laughs> he just debunked that. It was just in a wee, a wee coma or something and he just, his warm hands brought it back to life. But the other one's a miracle. That seems like David Blaney. Like, Mm. your husband says you're cheating on him but I know you're not because shazza (laughs) (laughs) pulls a random salmon out of pond that it's got a ring in its mouth and then they ate that salmon Mm, tasty yes for it never swam again let glass be blurry so (laughs) Saint Mungo was born to Princess Tenyu so he's a prince so he is a prince he's a double prince a double prince how can you be a double prince or just a prince because technically both of your family are royalty you're still just yeah. a prince um, so his mother was princess Tenyu. she was the daughter of king let me attempt to pronounce this Luidun of Godadin is this in Scotland or is it somewhere else it's in Scotland but then okay. his dad's Welsh and their names sound Welsh, and she's also like a Welsh legend. So I think it was maybe people moved from Scotland to Wales or people moved from Wales to Scotland. Right, okay. And then one of those ones where then down the line, people just randomly decided that whatever it was they were doing, it was about being a Catholic and not that there were pagans. I'm kind of guessing they were like a pagan family. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like at that time they would be pagans yeah. rather than Christians. And then maybe he was converted or something at one point. I wonder if even like he was also because you know there's like quite a lot of the Catholic saints that were that were just pagan. Yeah, Romans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then later on they were like, oh, and she was such a staunch nun, and it's like, no, no, I don't mm. think she was. But I wonder if <laughs> he was like a pagan that was doing fish magic, and then people were like, yep, he was a bishop, absolutely loved Jesus. So. Yeah, I mean, Jesus doesn't even come in any of these things. No, like, at any point, so sorry, there's no Jesus. In it. I don't, I don't really understand what Jesus has to do with it. <laughs> What's Jesus got to do? Got to do with it? That's one of our best songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. how did he find Mungo's dad was uh-huh. 
is supposedly the Arthurian knight, and I'm going to pronounce this correctly, is the one that's like Owain, but it's not Owain. You know, the one that's like Owain? Owain. Owen is just a Welsh name. I know Owen's just a Welsh name, but you know there's like the Knights of the Round Table, so there's like... Gawain. Yeah, it's like O-W-A-I-N, which I think now is Owen, but I think it was like... So we'll just call him Owen. So Owen or Owen Mab Urien. So he and Tenwe were in love and they had an affair whenever he was up in Scotland, but he was married to the princess ah. Penerwen. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I feel that's like this could go a lot more smoothly if I didn't explain <laughs> these names. This is where the infidelity comes from. Yes. So are you saying that St Mungo was an illegitimate child? So St Mungo was an illegitimate child. So right. his dad was a knight of the round table who was married to Princess Perenwen, who was the daughter of King Lot. This is mad. But okay. he was in love with Princess Tenue, who was the daughter of King Luedun of Gududon. <laughs> <laughs> so Tenue got pregnant from the uh-huh. affair. And when King Lot found out... So she got pregnant... Oh, sorry. She got pregnant when she was visiting them in Wales. King right. Lot found out. I'm now saying this as though this is just like... So like a holiday romance. It was like a holiday romance. No, no, they would kind of be like, when he was away on official night business, whenever he was up in Scotland, they would be hooking up. But oh, okay. So they, they'd been seeing each other on and off for a long time, but they weren't... Like long distance relationships yeah. then. Right. Okay. So she'd been in Wales, she'd fallen pregnant while she was there from him. King Lot found out about this and he sent Ten Way home. He said, like, you can't be here. Shagging my daughter's husband. He's going to be the future king of my kingdom. <laughs> this is an illegitimate child, it's inappropriate. When she arrived home and King, again, need to look at his name, Lulu Dun of Gugu. Just call him King Lulu. King Lulu of Gugu. So yeah. when she got home and King Lulu of Gugu found out, he was absolutely fucking raj. <laughs> he said to her that he was furious that he would not be the grandfather of a bastard child and uh-huh. that a bastard child could never be a prince. Mm, he then calmed down a bit. And he organised a wee picnic for them. So he took her to walk up the picnic and up the picnic place, up to a lovely picnic spot. And then in true Janine from EastEnders style, he grabbed her and threw her off a 720 foot cliff. <laughs> Fucking sick. Psycho cramps, yeah. Yep. All right. so she plummeted into the waters below the waters of the Firth of Forth. Oh, and fish. Yeah, as she plunged into the water would have lost consciousness but she was swarmed by a school of salmon that like basically shocked her back into life and she managed to float up and then swim across to Coros. Hey is this like a Catwoman origin story where you know she got brought back to life by cats but because she was pregnant with St Mungo or whatever at the time and the salmon saved her was he sort of infused with some sort of like salmon superpowers that's how yes, you find the ring that's exactly what <laughs> that's going on yeah. yeah they are like the early avengers but they've just got salmon powers <laughs> yes. oh, so i'd like that to be put into a comic book that would be awesome 
some I mean, mango I'm in his salmon I really want to write this comic now that you've said that. <laughs> he dresses up as a salmon. He flops about. She dresses up as like yeah. a sexy salmon, like in the, the yeah, shit yeah. Catwoman movie, not the Tim Burton Batman Catwoman movie. She's all pink, the pink salmon. That sounds quite sexual. Right, anyway. Sharon <laughs> Stone's there trying to make ancient makeup and she's like <laughs> whipping her. So Tenwe would have died on the banks of Coros, except that some passing monks found her and they nursed her back to health. Mm. After she was fully healthy, the baby was born and she asked if she could leave the baby in the care of Saint Serf who was, wasn't a saint at that point in time. He was just Father Serf, but he later became a saint because of his connection to Saint Mungo, which, as I mentioned earlier, Tenway also was beatified because she's Saint Mungo's mum. So basically just, you meet Saint, saint Mungo, Mungo, you get to be a saint. Mm. Okay. So Saint Serf agreed to raise him, and at this point, Tenway moved to the north of England while she was living there, all, of, all four of St. Mungo's miracles occurred while he was being raised by St. Seraph and the other monks. So when she was in the north of England, she met and fell in love with a guy called Dingad. <laughs> Sorry, that's not even his full name. His name is Dingad, son of Nud. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> I think you should call him Sir, Sir Gonad. <laughs> okay. Sir, Sir Gonad. So <laughs> she met and fell in love with Sir Gonad, and then she partially because she didn't want to, her father to find out she was still alive. Well, she doesn't want to be thrown over a cliff again. <laughs> yeah, especially not a seven hundred and twenty foot one. I mean, I don't really want to be thrown off any cliff, to be fair. So Can she changed the, the name. Yeah, uh huh. Go on. Yep. From ten, from Princess Tenway to mm-hmm. Fiona. Oh, that's a bit of a weird, but that's quite modern. Yeah, although it's T-H-E-O-N. Oh, okay. Yeah. The ancient version of Fiona. So she's Fiona of Nud, Mm -hmm. which is a sexy name. (laughs) And she became a mum to several other sons. So he has, St Mungo has five younger brothers Although technically they're younger half brothers, but she's got he's got five younger brothers. She raised her children, and then as she became older, and they went off and got jobs of their own, she became the abbess of the chapel of Gwytherin, right. which is still in the north is that of England. Glasgow. Oh, oh no, she went to she moved to England. Okay, okay. Yeah, so she's still there. She's still married to Gonads. Gonads. Um, <laughs> an abbess. Wait, I thought you weren't supposed to be married if you're an abbess. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. I'm like... No, but actually, there was a time where you could be a priest and married, so I guess the same applies to women then. So it wasn't until later on that a pope declared that men, like priests, couldn't bang women. Yeah, it must have been that, because it's not like she was trying to... No, it was a bit of a myth that priests were always celibate. They, They were... Um, there was a time where they could marry and have children, so that's yeah, a well-known myth that priests are always celibate. Plus, we know they're not because they're basically pedos, some of them. And and the ones and, that aren't definitely like I mean, I've heard plenty of stories of priests like 
banging women having banging kids. Women. Yeah. 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 So I just don't think it's possible to be celibate unless you're completely asexual. Then I don't I don't think so. It's just too human a, a need. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to... Okay, so what happened after her sons grew up? She's an abbess. Did she just live a nice life and then die a natural death? Or well, we'll patch her for a bit. We'll come back to her because okay. I'll let you know what happened to Sir Conan? Owen. Oh, Owen, right. And mm-hmm. this time. So after being separated from Tenway, uh, Owen was obviously... Sir Owen was obviously, de- so I don't know why I'm saying that, like I must give him his proper title, was obviously <laughs> devastated and mm. was unable to be with her and he was already unable to be with her because he was in this arranged oh, marriage. It was all very that sad. Was her, that was his lover, that was her lover? The yes. Was, right, I get you. Okay, love of his life. So he was devastated. He ended up becoming a knight of the round table. He was fighting alongside King Arthur. Uh, he fought in several battles. Merlin also sent him on several missions one of them being that he famously managed to slay Fefla Denwen, <laughs> the queen bearer. The what bearer? Fefla Denwen, <laughs> the flame bearer. So the I think he was some sort okay. of like evil fire wizard. Right. <laughs> no, he was this evil fire wizard. wizard. He lived in the woods. He was harassing a lot of people. Sorrow and went out there, cut his head off. It was a big deal. Everyone was like, nobody could kill him. He was controlling fire. <laughs> so he ended up, he had like a happy enough marriage with Princess Penarwen, despite the fact that he cheated on her when they were younger. But again, he was like arranged married to her and he did no ten way beforehand and they were in love. So you shouldn't cheat on your wife, but we'll let him off. So after Penarwen died of natural causes, he lived alone for a while and continued to do his nightly thing, as in being a knight. No, he did the same thing every night. <laughs> he watched Claudia and had a wee cup of tea. nightly thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. I like so, to do nightly things at night. Okay. He yeah. eventually found out that there'd been a new abbess appointed at the chapel of Gwytherin, who was St. Winifred, and St. Winifred explained that she was going over to take there to take over as abbess because Fiona... Mm. Well, do you Mar- even know who Fiona was? Because he's known her as, what, ten, ten, Tenway? Tenway, yeah. Yeah, Tenway. So Fiona of Nudd's husband, Dingad, had sadly passed away. <laughs> but she also went on to explain that this was difficult for Fiona of Nud because she was actually Princess Tenway and had been hiding away there for 40 oh. odd years at this point. So this is like a rom-con now. A, rom- a rom-con. <laughs> yeah. St. Winifred's played by Hattie Jacobs. Okay. Hattie, J- Hattie Jacks? Hattie Jacks? Who's Hattie yeah. Jacobs? She's just someone I made up. <laughs> <laughs> Hattie Jacks is playing Hattie Jacobs playing St. Winifred. <laughs> And Hattie Jack is like an, an old actress from the 1960s in the Carry On films, but yeah, a bit obscure, but okay. <laughs> carry, on, carry on. I don't know why, I just want the rest of it to be quite serious and for St. Winifred to be all like, ooh! <laughs> Matron! <laughs> so, St. Winifred and Sir Owen travel to the <laughs> Chapel <laughs> of Gwytherin. Yep. 
And there, him and Tenway are reunited and married. Yay! Yay! But they're old. They are, they're old, but it's fine. So, I say it's fine. This is where I'm like, oh, it's kind of a happy story, but not really. So, they married in the year 596. Mm-hmm. And shortly after this, Owain became the king of Oregad. Because... I don't really understand. I couldn't work this out because he doesn't become the king of Regad because he was married to Princess Penerwen because Princess Penerwen had brothers. So one of them was like the successor to King Lot. So I don't know how. But Maybe somehow... he was bequeathed some land and he became king of that land because the other guy didn't have any children. So he then was the next best thing. Like that's it must have been that because it must have been. That, I couldn't find any information on how he became a king. So mm. Owen and Tenway then become king and queen of Regad, but again that was in the year five ninety six. In the year five ninety seven, Regad was invaded by oh, a larger damn. army from a neighbouring area, and a few months later, Owen and Tenway Ten were publicly executed. Oh damn! I know. How how were they publicly executed? Holding hands or were they no, behaved they, or? Uh, they, no, I think they were hung. Oh, they were both hung from a tree. Damn it! Where's Saint Mungo? Why is he not performing these bloody miracles? I know it's like, oh, you're going to bring a Robin back to life, but you won't bring your mum and dad back to life <laughs> after they've been trying to reunite for eight billion years. <laughs> God's sake. But oh, so Mungo never actually saw either, but he never met his dad and he never saw his mum after she left him in the care of St. Seraph. Like they never oh. met each other again. So uh, he, he was a missionary. Sorry. So he never knew his parents. This is like getting into the Jeremy Kyle territory now. <laughs> so he didn't know his parents. He was nope. thought he was an orphan. And then he didn't know he had five other brothers as well. Or that he was oh. like a prince 97 times over. Fucking what? Okay. <laughs> So he grew up, he trained under St. Serf, he became a missionary in Glasgow, then a bishop in Glasgow. He travelled to Wales, which, you know, like, it's where his dad's from. But he but didn't he know. He mm. uh, travelled to Wales, did missionary work there. He travelled to Rome, which is where he got the bell, which was apparently a miracle. Uh, he lived till a really old age. He was 98 when he died, which was obviously, like, insanely old for back then. It mm-hmm. was said that by the time, like basically before he died, in fact, for years before he died, he was so old and frail that he couldn't really communicate properly. People had to help him around and his face was so slack that it had to be held together with families. <laughs> so that's terrifying. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, again, not actually really a jolly ending, like a fairly cheery story, but at the end, everyone dies horrifically. And yeah, that 15-year-old gets to, you know, gets taken early but then he has to live a horrifically long time and his face yeah. is melting off. Fair point. Both of them obviously did great things and yeah, one of them gets killed when they're a child and even though they're apparently being looked after by God and yeah, <laughs> one of them has to live so his face collapses in on itself. <laughs> horrible. And again, okay. it just seems like God's ripping the out of him. Like he goes to do missionary work in Wales where his dad's literally is fighting yeah. fire wizards 
Sorry, the cat bolted there. It's cause I said fire wizard. He's terrified of them. See, the thing is, like, it sounds like his parents had such a better, more interesting life than he did. Yeah. I'm yeah, more interested in his parents' adventures than I am in actual St. Mungo. Yeah, his thing's boring. I mean, again, his medical bit's quite interesting, but mm-hmm. only one of them, the other three aren't miracles. They're just stupid nonsense. But yeah, his mum and dad <laughs> had such an interesting life. So where Again, is, I also think from how... researching it that none of them were Christians, which I thought was interesting, but it's like... Which also then led me to think well, that Winifred's probably not a Christian either, because if it was a pagan goddess site that Tenway was in charge of, then surely Winifred would have taken mm. charge of that off of her and therefore would also have been a pagan. Yeah, but it sounds to me like St Mungo was brought up a Christian because she dumped him on a monk, like a Christian True. monk, I would guess. So he grew and he was away converting people while she was off you know, being pagan and stuff. But he had some sort of, he'd inherited her pagan power, salmon powers. <laughs> <laughs> Salmons were in their blood. Do you think he could just stand by the river and just summon salmon for his tea or something? You know, or they would follow him about? Maybe like holding the salmon gave him the truth as well. That's how he knew where the ring got there. So like if something's missing, he can just put his hand in the river and be like, salmon, bring me the missing Volkswagen. And be like, a man called Jim Magoo stole this Volkswagen. <laughs> I think I'd quite, I, I wouldn't mind that power. <laughs> oh, shit. It's basically like a cross between Aquaman you know, and Catwoman. Pretty much, yeah. He is. Uh, do, you know how saints so often have relics? Or yes. they're incorruptible and stuff. That thing, that interesting. But is there any... Because, oh, by the way, we actually have St. Valentine's Heart in a Catholic church in Glasgow. So there's that. Um, We... Uh, yeah, how did we manage to get St. Valentine's Heart? Was it Robert the Bruce that brought it? No, I'm confusing because his heart's buried in a, a church somewhere in Roslyn. Not Roslyn. Um, Melrose Abbey. Anywho... Is St Mungo preserved anywhere or bits of him or is is he in Glasgow Cathedral? Where, where the fuck is he? He is, is in Glasgow any... Cathedral. That was he very is? Good guess. Yeah, yeah. His uh, relics are yes. stored in Glasgow Cathedral along He's with... Confusingly, it says along with St Enoch and St Kentigern. I think St Kentigern is St Mungo. Oh, they, sometimes they get um, confused with other people, so. Unless, yeah, maybe that's why he's called St. Mungo, because, again, his name that was given to him when he was born was Kentigern Maburian. Right. So. There you go. Well, where does Mungo come from? It's the nickname. Is that that salmon name? It's the nickname <laughs> that St. Seraph used to call him when he was a baby. Which hey, is really like, weird. Sounds like, sounds like he's calling him a Mongo then. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why he got bullied? Because he was called a Mongo? <laughs> yeah, and they're having a bit like St. Serf also ran the boys' school he went to. So like, <laughs> he's doing the register and going like, Jim, Ian, Bobby, Alec, Mungo. You <laughs> <laughs> know, sir, my name's Ken again. Okay, Mungo. Your name's Mungo. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go, get halfway, Robin. <laughs> uh, there's just, yeah, I find the Saints thing really, really interesting. I think Again, it's like Protestants don't really have saints. <laughs> Sorry, that they just don't. Unless, well, King Billy's their saint, I suppose. 
Um, but or would it be John Knox? I, I don't know. Who cares? Calvin. They don't have saints because they're no fun. That's why. Yes. Like whereas Catholicism seems a bit more interesting because they've got all these and like crazy stories and like fun parties and stuff and treasure and things like that. It's a lot more. It's a bit like why I like Hinduism because although they only worship one god, they've all got these incredibly mad stories about their different avatars and different gods and goddesses that are just parts of the one god um yeah so, i feel like everyone we've talked about like you know be it their death or their family mm-hmm. life it's fairly <laughs> weird stories like although being a saint now isn't such an exclusive club anymore because pope like i say pope francis and john paul ii went a bit saint crazy and now it seems like you know anyone can be a saint so it's not that special anymore i mean definitely like again i don't know which one of the two of them was but as was demonstrated by my story just kind of started making anyone that met saint mungo a saint (laughs) yeah true local butcher saint (laughs) that salmon that was beatified it's a saint oh the saint salmon Yeah, why can't we have saint animal like animals i suppose because animals can't go around preaching the word of jesus because that really would be a weird medical wouldn't it i feel like, like they should make him um, his stepdad and his step-grandfather saint and then his stepdad could be saint dingad son of saint nud that's a great name <laughs> yeah what's he the patron saint of uh, saint dingad is the patron saint of gonads <laughs> and Saint Nod is obviously the patron saint of nudists. And her father is the patron saint of throwing people off cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> more specific. Her father is the patron saint of throwing people off 720 foot cliffs. Yeah, just 720 foot. <laughs> no more, no less. <laughs> I mean, there's that many saints. I just imagine my wee gran when she was alive and somebody going. <laughs> I'm going to go and throw my gem off a 720 foot cliff. Well, remember, light yourself a wee candle to that saint. <laughs> you know, light yourself a candle to that saint before you throw somebody off a 720 foot cliff. <laughs> Seems like you just can't do anything without having to pray to some saint to like help you out. A lot like, of Catholicism is lighting a candle. You're supposed to light between 17 and 425 candles a day. <laughs> Uh, well that was that was a lot of fun i think and we both agree um although we're not catholic it sure was fun you know learning about saints and things um and i wonder if there's going to be a saint of podcasts probably at some point pope francis let's send pope francis a nice email yeah let's send him an email and make up some story about how we created some miracles um but then if he listens to our podcast i think I think he'd probably think we, we should be maybe saints in hell rather than heaven. So can we just use Saint Mungo's say um, like miracles uh, and just put change a word slightly in them? Like I brought mm-hmm. a mouse back from the dead by tapping it on the chest. <laughs> Leslie, you restarted a fire by giving it a wee kick with your fire foot. Pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the fire pit went out and you threw some newspaper on it and it relit. I... Yeah, I'm the patron saint of relighting stubbed out cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a medical. I once went on holiday to Tenerife and I brought back a bucket in spades. 
That's effectively the bell bit of his miracles. But in the bucket, constantly filled up with wine or champagne or whatever drink you want. Pretty good. In the bucket filled with wine, there was one little um, guppy. And and it returned things to you that people you knew had lost. Oh, that would be such a good thing. It brought back Gary's earring. It brought back my ring that I lost in Morrison's that time in 2008. That David actually had taken off you in Morrison's and thrown under one of the shelves. And you didn't know told you. Oh, such fun. Well, what are we going to be talking about next week, Mark? Um, uh, I don't know because the list is actually here, so let me. Is the cat taking it? Where the list is. Mark is the patron saint of lost lists. I am the patron saint of lost lists. (laughs) What else do you think you would be the patron saint of based on your life, Mark? Hmm. Cake? No. Oh, yeah, I love cake. (laughs) I think I would be the patron saint of brie and cheese. Ooh, good choice. Except blue cheese, because that's rank. Because I consume so much cheese, it's ridiculous. So, um, I would be the the saint of cheese. Yeah, I think you can be the patron saint of cheese, and I'll be the patron saint of cake. Cake and cheese goes well together. Cake and cheese does go well together. It means quite a lot of parties. People will be lighting a candle for both of us, so that's exciting. Excellent cheese and wine parties. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm going to pick number. I'm trying to think of a saintly number. Well. There's 12 apostles, so I will pick number 12. Oh, okay. We need to watch an episode from Tales from the Crypt each and then do our sort of Hammer Horror episode again, but with Tales from the Crypt. Oh, brilliant. I don't know whether Yasmin's going to be taking part in that, but we'll we'll find out. <laughs> if not, it'll just be me and Mark. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, light a candle. Not Yaz, to... Yaz not being here. Yaz, Tales from no, the yeah. Crypt. Yaz will be back eventually. She's just away on her travels. She's she the ancient saying of um, avoiding Wonder podcast about. recordings. <laughs> so, yeah, light a candle to myself, Leslie Anderson, the patron saint of cheese, and light a candle for Mark Dornan, our host, who is a patron saint of cake. Good night. Bye. bye. Love you all. Bye. Bless you. Yes, many blessings. That's really. Sc- <laughs>